0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church, and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I felt the best way to start off this year, outside of our At The movie series, would be to kick up a new series that I've entitled First Love. Ever say First Love. That's the title of the series. The title of my message today is this, The Law of the And and the Order. The Law of the And and the Order. That's going to make more sense in just a little while. But if you would, and you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. If you don't, look up on the screen and follow with me as I read. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. To 7. It says to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know your deeds. I know your hard work. I know your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who have claimed to be apostles but are not and have found them to be false. You have persevered, And you have endured hardship for my name and you have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favour. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. This passage, we see that there is a description, a commendation, a rebuke, a consequence, a promise, and a solution. Did you see that in what we read? If you didn't, follow with me this morning. Firstly, we see, number one, that there's a description of Christ. This messenger said that this is not the one I'm talking about. He's the one who holds the seven stars in His right hands. The stars represent the leadership of a local church. His right hand represents strength, control, and authority. And I, as a leader of a local church, am so grateful that uh, I am in His hands that I am not leading this church and indeed it's not even my church, it's His church and He's leading it and He is holding me firmly in His hand and as He is holding me in His hand, so He is holding you in His hand and this is good news and we should take great comfort from knowing the fact that He is holding us in His hand, not just any hand, His right hand, which represents strength, control and authority. It doesn't matter what happens to us. It doesn't matter what happens in this world. Our God is in in control of our lives. Our God is in control of every circumstance and situation. And if we get that into our spirits, we can rest, we can have joy, we can have peace and we can laugh in the face of adversity. I thank God for this description in the Word that I am held in His hand. His strong, controlling, authoritative hand. Amen. When there is wars and rumours of wars, it does not change the fact that our God is in control. In actual fact, if you go on to read the book of Revelation, you'll learn this, we win. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Sorry to spoil the end of the story, but you know what? We win. We win. It also says that He's the one who walks amongst the seven gold lampstands. And it's those lampstands that represent the local church, which means Jesus Himself is the one who's walking amongst us. He's walking amongst His church. And that's a comforting fact, knowing that in our darkest moment, in our darkest day, He's there with us. When our children are sick and we have no answers, we have the One who walks amongst us, who walks amongst the seven gold lampstands. He's there with us, never leaves us, never forsakes us, which is a comforting thing. The downside to that is when the offering is taken up, He is walking amongst us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. We often, we often say those things in the, in the context of when we need help. We say, oh, I'm so glad you don't leave us. I'm so glad you never forsake us. But there's times we say, can you just leave us and forsake us right now while I do this thing? Yeah. Everyone know what I'm on about? Danny Guglielmich said recently that the Bible is not just a devotional, but it's also a directional. See, if you just read your Bible just to get uh, sweet whispers from heaven of how good you are, that's great. Thank God for those moments. But it's more than that. The Word of God can never just be a devotional. It's also a directional. It is very specific about what to do and what not to do. And so we need to receive it as both a devotional and a directional. So firstly, there's this description of Christ. Secondly, there's this commendation. He commends them. He says, I know your deeds. And again, that's an encouragement to us, knowing that He sees our works. And so when we're at the workplace and you're in a place where there's no other Christian and you're doing the right thing and you're not cheating on your taxes, hey, be comforted. He sees your hard work. He sees your righteous acts. He sees you. Be encouraged this morning. He says, I see your hard work, your perseverance, the fact that you don't tolerate wicked people The fact that you have persevered and endured many hardships, that you have not grown weary. Man, all these things are great things. In actual fact, they're a a lesson and a challenge to the local church in 2015. I mean, wouldn't it be great to have those things said of you? That you're able to persevere, that you have a sound doctrine, that you don't give up easily or quit easily. They are great things. And this local church was commended for all of those wonderful things. Who senses a but coming? Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love God's butt, hey? But then he goes on and rebukes them. So there's a description of Christ. There's a commendation. But now there's also a rebuke. And he says, this I hold against you. And here's the amazing thing to me. It's just one thing. There's this long list of all the good things they're doing, but there's just one thing that he's holding against them. And it's this, that they had forsaken their first love. In other words, the love that they used to have for Christ had grown cold or worse still, no longer existed. And this is important. You've got to get this. Because immaturity would say, well, okay, well, that's only one thing I'm not doing. right. But what are all the good things I'm doing? You know, that, That's how our kids respond to us. That's how I responded as a kid to my da- uh, dad when he was telling me off about this one thing. Like, Don't you appreciate me? Don't you love me? I did this, I did that, I did all this other stuff, but I haven't done the one thing that's required. Yeah. See, this is not a matter of either or. Yeah. It's not a matter of love or good works. It's a matter of both and. It's the law of the and and the order. See, you've got to have both, but you've got to have them in the right order. See, if we do all these great works but lose our first love, we lose everything. Because Christianity is not a job. Christianity is not an experience. Christianity is not a list of good things to do. Christianity is not about not doing bad things. Christianity essentially is a relationship with our Creator through Jesus Christ. And without that, we lose everything. And so He's not saying uh, your hard works are in vain. He's not saying that they're bad things. He's just saying without love, they don't mean anything. And, And so it's always both and, but we've got to get the right order. Is, is this making sense this morning? Yeah, very good. I mean, how many marriages have been affected by this law not being in place? Yeah. We go to work, we pay the bills, we paint the spare room, we dig a swimming pool, we build a pergola, we put up a white picket fence, we get the dog and the cat and the goldfish. But that is not a marriage. A marriage is essentially where a man and woman come together in union and they are in love with each other all the days of their life. That's a marriage. And all the other stuff comes out of that. But without that, you lose everything. Without that, you've just got an arrangement. And we don't want uh, Victory Church to become an arrangement with God. We want it to be a living, vibrant, active, move on a dime relationship with God. Kath and I uh, will often say, hey, let's just go to the beach. It's spontaneous. We wouldn't be able to do that with God. When God says move, we would to say, hey, let's do it. Let's do this. Let's throw the run sheet out. No, we've got an arrangement. God help us if our Christianity is just an arrangement. Yes, we need some order. Yes, there needs to be some banks to the river of God. I get that. But every now, we need the spontaneity to be able to move when God says move and do what God says to do. And so it's not a matter of either or. Well, that's okay. You're those lovey-dovey types. That's why there's a lot. There's a you know a lot of men don't kind of embrace Christianity. That's more for the wives because they're into that lovey-dovey thing. I'm into building. I'm into work. But it's never either or. It's always both and. But you better get the order right. We see this right throughout Scripture. This is, not just a, this is not just a one-off occasion. We see this in Matthew chapter four, where Jesus, after fasting for 40 days, see, I'm being kind. I'm not asking 40 days, just, just half that, just 21 days. 40 days he'd been fasting. Guess what? After that, he was hungry. And so the devil comes. Jesus has been fasting 40 days. He's hungry as, he's in the desert and the devil rocks up and tempts him in three areas. Three areas he was tempted in the desert. One is in the area of provision. The other in the area of protection. And the other one, the area of popularity. Now you know what? Popularity, provision and protection are not bad things. God is not against any of those things. God wants to make His church popular in the earth today. Nothing wrong with popularity, nothing wrong with provision and nothing wrong with protection. How many of you said, God protect me, God provide. Nothing wrong with those things. But that was not the test. The test was, will Jesus put God first? This was a God first test. This was a first love test. And here's Jesus hungry after 40 days, and and there's supernatural provision. Will he take it or will he choose God? That's what fasting's about. And Jesus passed all the tests. And on the last one, this is how he responds to the enemy in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10. He says, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Can you see the law of the both and? It's not about, you know, um, you go to church, that's great. I I worship Jesus at home. It's always about both. See, this is why in my thinking and my theology, I have no place that you can be a Christian and not attend church. And not only just attend church, but serve in the house. Jesus said worship and serve. He didn't say worship or serve. He didn't say get to church and and, and worship, raise your hands and then just let all the others serve hard. He said do both. And for those of you who just come and serve and hide behind whatever it is that you're doing, no, you need to worship. It's always both and. But here is the thing I see from this scripture, it's worship first. I honestly believe there's a lot of burnout in the church today because people get in the habit of serving first. And then they get jaded by people and jaded because they're not appreciated and jaded because no one thanked them because their source is in the wrong place. They haven't got their source and their provision from God first. When you get your provision from God, you can put up with a lot of rubbish in your life. And when you put God first, you realise, actually, you know what? Even if nobody thanks me, I'm not doing it for them. I'm not seeking people's approval. I'm doing this out of the overflow of my time with God. And even if nobody sees me, if nobody says anything to me, I'm going to do it anyway because I serve a God who is worthy of serving. Which is a far cry from serve, 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 jaded, 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 unappreciated, unappro- bitter, 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 out, 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 give up, give up, give up. She said, no, 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 you got it wrong. I, I firmly believe if you put service before worship, pretty soon you won't be doing either. Very good. Yeah. So good, mate. But if you put worship first, you'd worship and serve long-term. I, I believe it. I, I just am a firm believer in that and I see it right throughout Scripture. It's the law of the and and the order. Don't allow the busyness of our lives to rob us of what is most important. Don't allow us, write this down, don't let good things get in the way of first things. Don't let good things, there's lots of good things. Hey, this, this church in Ephesus, hard work, perseverance, sound doctrine they're good things. Don't get me wrong. they are not bad things. The angels didn't say, Shame on you for your hard work. Shame on you for your sound doctrine. Shame on you for your endurance not giving up. No, no. It said they're all good things, but you've forgotten first things. We see this again in Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't say, Love God, hate people. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really at the crux, I think, for why most people don't want to go to church. And they're happy to love God, but I'm just over people. He didn't say, we don't have the luxury of having one or the other. He didn't say, you know what, forget the God thing, just just go to church. It's the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God. And the second is like it, love others. It's love God, love people. But it's got to be in that order. You put people before God, it's all over. Because people will let you down. I, I think there's a lot of pressure in relationships because we're trying to make those relationships in replace of what only God can bring. And then we get disappointed. You know, when people first meet me, I'm the pastor and I'm able to bring a word that blesses them, but I'm human. You hang around me long enough, I will disappoint you. That's why our relationship alone is not enough to sustain it. That's why we need God in our relationships. It's God first, people second. We see this right throughout life. This is not just a spiritual thing. It's not just a Christian thing, but we see it in worship before service. It's got to be worship before service. It's got to be God before people. It's got to be spouse before kids. Do you know how many marriages are lost because of a greater love going on to their kids and they fall out of love with one another? They'll do anything for the kids, but you know what, my missus? And and I think a healthy family flows out of a healthy marriage. Your kids don't have to miss out. Well, you, I'm, not, I'm not talking about neglecting your kids. I'm not talking about, hey, honey, just, I don't know uh, what the kids are going to do tonight, but me and you, we're going out. I'm not talking about that. So if any of you got that idea that you're going to drop your kids and just shoot off, it's not what I said. I'm just saying right order. It's both and, but it's right order. And I see a lot of families, a lot of marriages chasing their kids with all their sporting endeavours and, and they don't have time for each other. And then they don't have time for God. And the order's all out of whack. Now they're just running little Johnny and little Jimmy and and Jane, Johnny, Jimmy and Jane, running them around to this thing and that thing and the other thing. And we've got to take them to sport. Yeah, do you have to take them to three? When our kids wanted to get involved in sport, they said, okay, it's one sport. Pick it, get good at it, make money. (laughs) If they're not good at that, pick another sport. (laughs) Is this making sense? There's a right order to things. I love my kids, I do. I do love my wife more. And I do love Jesus more again. And that's right, it works. When we're away traveling, I miss my kids. There's certain ministry trips I've had to be away, I miss them. But if I'm away from my wife, I miss her far more. When we're away ministering, and my kids, I might ring them once a day. If I'm away from my wife, I will ring her seven times a day. I don't know. It's just I'm silly like I don't know. But I I think there's something right when we get the both and, but the right order happens right throughout life. It's vegetables before dessert. Sorry. Do you know what happens if you have dessert first? Two things will happen. One, you won't want your vegetables because you'll be full and the nutrients from your vegetables you won't get anymore. So you won't be healthy. You'll die. But you know what? Even if you do manage to get the vegetables down you after the dessert, you've got this vegetable taste. It leaves a bad taste in your mouth. The right order, you get the vegetables down you, you finish with the dessert, and you say, man, that meal was awesome. Why? Because you're still tasting the dessert, not the stupid vegetables. Because <laughs> if you like vegetables, God bless you, but a lot of people don't. And if you like Brussels sprouts, we'll pray for you later because that's just weird. <laughs> well, you know, and if you do like, if you do like uh, Brussels sprouts, I'd say, why, why not save your money and just eat dirt because they taste the same? <laughs> Is this making any sense today? It's first things first. Let's get back to our original text in Revelation. Point number four he warns them of a consequence. He says, I'll remove your lampstand. See, whatever you neglect, you will lose. This is a challenge for leaders because the lampstand represents the church, granted. It's a challenge for every leader of a church. But it's a challenge for every one of us. Whatever represents a lampstand to you, be it your marriage, your kids, your health, marriage. If we neglect our first love, we can lose what is most important. I need us as a church, as we embrace what I was talking about earlier, to get this. There is a consequence, not because God's, a bad God and a mean God and a harsh God, but whatever you neglect, you lose. If you neglect your health and lose your health, is that God's fault? If you neglect your marriage, lose your marriage, is that God's fault? So these, these are principles set in place from the beginning of time. Whatever you neglect, you lose. It's not necessarily that it's been taken from you, it's just you lose it. So that's the consequence, the encouragement, point number five, Comes to them with a promise. He says, You'll give the, um, He'll give you the right to eat from the tree of life in paradise with God. And, and to me, that represents eternal life. You know, even if we had 70 years, 80 years on planet Earth, and it didn't go well for us, we've got eternity to think of. But it's not just about eternity, it's also an abundant life. We have this eternal life, and we have this abundant life. This is the promise to us an eternal life and an abundant life in Christ is the promise. That's worth listening up and holding on to today. And number six, uh, number five, what, what is it? Six, there's a solution. I love the Word of God. It doesn't just highlight mistakes. It doesn't just highlight what we need to change. But it always comes with a promise and it always comes with a solution. And the solution is really simple. As I've been sharing today, and I know the presence of God is here. And I know He's at work in people's hearts. I sense that. I've been doing this so long now. I know when God's at work in people's lives and He's doing that right now. I also know how the enemy wants to operate and he wants to bring condemnation and say, see, you're no good. See, you're going to lose your marriage. That's not what this is about because there's a solution. If there's anything going on in our heart today at a spiritual level, practical level, relational level, here's what we need to do. The Bible says that we need simply to remember that we need to repent and we need to do what we did at first. As I elaborate on these three things, can the band come up and we're going to move into a time of waiting on the Lord through communion this morning. But it says, remember. Do you remember that day when you first became a Christian? That first week, that first month, that first year, when you were bright eyed and bushy tailed and full of excitement. Do you remember that? That, that, was, that was the solution. Remember, don't forget that. It's like those of us who are married. Remember that day you got married? I remember the day Kath and I got married. Every half an hour, so I'd say, okay, let's just take a step back and let's just get a mental picture of what is happening. Oh, look at this guy. Oh, look at him. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. And we're just getting mental images that we could come back to years later to remember. Our, our, our wedding was fun. Seriously. My wife rocked up at 3.15, 15 minutes later than she should have. It was 35 degrees. We was in our little church that we were a part of. There were orange pews, wood paneling, brown carpet, cream brick. It's horrible. <laughs> but what a day. I looked at my wife, I said, till death do us part, and I meant it. Then we had a few photos in the parklands in the middle of the city there. Then we went down to Glenelg at the Grand. Had our reception. Had so much fun. Lots of dancing, lots of kissing. Ding, 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 ding. Little did the people die. I was starting it most of the time. <laughs> Any chance to kiss my new wife. It was an awesome day. I don't ever want to forget that. I think about the youth camps the encounters with God. I remind myself, even, even with the summer fest that we had where our young ones got together, it was good for my soul. It was good for my spirit just being there. It brought back memories. Not memories that we were better back then. But man, the passion, the life, the energy. I, I thank God for that. In actual fact, tonight, I'm not going to make you, but I, I want to strongly encourage you. Why not come back? Because we're going to have what we've called a taste of summer fest. I want all of us older ones, our, the, the grey-haired ones in this place, to see what good hands our young people are in, to see what God is doing amongst our young people. They're going to lead the band. Chris is going to preach a message that he shared over that time. It's going to be an incredible night tonight. And, and, and we get the opportunity. just to to celebrate what God is doing in the younger ones. And for the younger ones, there's a time to solidify what God did only a week ago. And I want it to be etched in your mind for all time and eternity. I, I want you to remember, in our time away with some of the leaders, we were just reminiscing about different youth camps and different things that we did and how I would have my elastic band between my thumb and my finger and I'd flick everyone. And I was very dangerous with that little instrument. So much so that I hit three people dead smack in the eye. It was awesome. I remember one guy, he was so hurt. His eye was weeping for about a day and a bit. And in worship experience, he's there like this. And I was laughing my head off, knowing that I did that. I inflicted that pain. Yes, I needed to mature. I know, but what memories? (laughs) And you know what? When life's tough and life's down and things aren't going your way, it's great to be able to remember the right things. Not remember the bad things, but remember the good things. Tonight's gonna be great. It's gonna be so much fun. And if you're feeling a bit old and, and you're not able to squat what you used to or run what you used to or whatever it is that you're used to, I'm telling you, you being here, you'll feel younger. It'll do you good. It'll do your soul good. Why not calm and support? You know what else? You know what's going to do our young people? It's going to bless them. They might not say it, they might not have time to say thanks for coming, but inside they're going to say, wow, this is awesome. This is awesome. Remember, repent. You don't have to hide from God. When, when you've been exposed, there's not a parent in here that when the kid comes to them and says, I'm sorry, just because to say, you wicked thing. That, that's what we want. We don't want them to be further estranged. We want them to come close. Where does, that, where does that desire come from as a parent? From the heart of God. And so repentance is not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's what keeps us close. Say, ah, Lord, I've drifted. I'm sorry. This year is going to be different with your help. Forgive me. It's, it's, really, it's a beautiful thing. Repentance has been painted to be something horrible. It's a beautiful thing. It keeps us close. It keeps the first things, the first things, the main things, the main thing. He says, do what you did at first. I always tell our young people, particularly the boys, I'll say, you know what? What you did to get the girl is what you've got to do to keep the girl. If you want a good, strong, healthy marriage for years, you've got to do what you did at first. And one thing I know about boys, particularly when they're younger, they're smelly and they don't like showering. They just stink. They're snotty and grotty. That's boys. Girls are different, but boys are just snotty and grotty. But then they see a girl they like and they shower. Surprise. And they put on aftershave. Amazing. They brush their hair. Wow. They wear decent clothes. And they walk up to someone, they really, will you go out with me? <laughs> and I love that. I love young love, I do. But you know what? You get married, you're tired, and the showers stop, the aftershave stops. They no longer dress up for each other. It's just ugly boots and ugly underwear. Shame on you, come on. <laughs> Do what you did at first. What did that first little camisole look like on your wedding night? What's it look like now? I don't mean crass. I want our young people to know that you know what, you can be married for years and still love your wife. Come on. Do what you did at first. When's was the last time you raised your hand to Jesus? Remember when we was younger and passionate? Then we got mature. And <laughs> remember when we used to be up front and jumping now? We just, oh, been there, done that. I don't know if you've noticed where I stand and position myself every Sunday. I don't have to be down here. I, I just want to be at the place because that's what I used to do. Do what we did at first. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.